Yeah. It can event. Yeah. I'm in the search for peace, at least. In a better spot to settle. My brother said the Americans haven't got a ghetto. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show, Community Spread. I'm your host, Kevin Lundell. On the podcast today, we have EJ and Danielle Nelson. And EJ and Danielle are just some of the coolest people I know. I've known them for for a few years now and have been able to watch their story unfold as they have gone through a transition with their son, who is now transgender. And it has been incredible to watch their story, to experience it, and to think about personally what it would be like to uh, go through that experience. So they have a lot to offer in this conversation. I really look forward to you hearing it, learning from it in the same way that I was able to in real time, but in some more detail. I got a lot from this conversation that I wasn't able to get watching it unfold on social media and talking with uh, Danielle and EJ uh, as friends. So I look forward to you getting to hear this show. But before we get to that, we get to do the part of the show where I tell you a little bit about what I'm thinking about or what I'm learning about. And you know what? Obviously, it's the presidential election. Hey, last time I recorded this, it was election day. I was stressed out to the max, Uh, but we made it through it. And it looks like Joe Biden is going to be our next president. And that means a lot. Think about what that means for uh, EJ and Danielle as you listen to the story. We know that Trump did take away uh, transgender people's ability to serve in the military. Uh, that's a big deal. And there's other things and other rights that could have been could have been taken away from them that are now going to be afforded them under a new presidency. You know, I've also thought a lot about my fellow Weber County Democrats and a lot about how their races were tough this run. And they really had high hopes that this was the time with uh, Trump at the top of the ticket that many of their their fellow citizens would be able to see past him and vote for another president. And hopefully that would reach down their ballots. It really turned out not to be the case in kind of a big way. I know a lot of these races went worse than they did in 2018 or 2016. And it's tough. I know they worked their butts off and it is so hard to lose a race after putting your soul into it and really hoping you had a chance. And not only to lose, but to see it go the other direction is really hard. I don't think we know a lot about why. I have some theories. One of which is I just think Donald Trump turned out low propensity Republicans in a way that no one else could. He garnered a lot more votes than he did in 2016. I think a lot of those are just, there are a lot of conservatives in our neighborhood and they came out. They came out because they were worried their way of life was changing and they felt like Donald Trump was the way to preserve that way of life. So, you know, I know that can be really frustrating and it's got to be hard and it had me frustrated and still has me frustrated. But what I am hopeful about is when I look to Georgia, I look to Stacey Abrams. If you guys haven't heard from or listened to Stacey Abrams, buy her book today. It's called Our Time Is Now. I just started listening to it, but I've listened to her on a lot of different podcasts and have 
just been blown away by her. You look at what she did. In 2018, she ran for governor and she lost to Brian Kemp. We've talked about this race before, but she lost and, and that uh, election in a lot of ways was stolen from her by Brian Kemp's overt, despicable voter, voter suppression. He did this in so many ways and she describes it in the book, but she, it would have been so easy for her at that time to take her ball and go home. This game is not fair. We're not playing on a fair, fair field. And she, I'm fed up with it. And I think a lot of my friends who are Democrats in Weber County feel the same way right now. We're dealing with gerrymandered districts. We're dealing with people in power uh, who don't necessarily care to make this a fair fight. But what did Stacy do? Stacy picked herself up. She started a foundation called Fair Fight 2020. And this foundation did incredible work on registering voters, overcoming voter suppression, and she flipped Georgia. And I say she flipped Georgia because I think it really was her and her team's efforts that turned Georgia from a five-point Trump win in 2016 to a Biden win in 2020. And there's two Senate seats there that are now going to a runoff because they didn't no candidate received greater than 50% of the vote. And she did that too. And there's a lot of fight left to go there. Those races are going to be really tough, particularly because, you know, Joe Biden won and a lot more of those low propensity voters are going to show up. So those races are going to be tough, but we need to look to her because she made something incredible happen and she can be our example of picking ourselves up after a tough loss, moving forward. We have to continue to fight. We have to continue to work because we can and should have more representation for those in our most vulnerable populations. And that can happen if we follow and we look to her as an example and pick ourselves back up and go to work. So with that being said, we are on to our conversation with EJ and Danielle. Look how far we all came, we made it to this land to surprise. Though the prophecy says we all been to a brass. Spread the word, let it be known the heaven set to survive. Right here, live in the flesh. Hey, Danielle and EJ, I'm super excited to have you on the pod today. Danielle, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited to be here too. Awesome. EJ, it's been a while since I've seen you, since you've been in the CrossFit gym. How are you? I am amazing. I'm super excited to be here with you, Kevin. You guys have just an incredible story that I've followed now for probably, gosh, it must have been about a year. And when this, when you started posting about your story, I was just so, I found it so compelling. I wanted to learn more. I really wanted to hear and share in your experience. And I got to a little bit through social media, but today we're going to get to dive right into it. And we're going to get to really hear how the how this experience has affected your life and you guys having a trans son and what that's been like. So take me back and just tell me a little bit about Khalil. Yeah. So Khalil is the oldest of our children. He's going to be 13 next month. Um, he's a very just chill child, just kind of go with the flow. Nothing ever seems to really get under his skin or to like rev him up. He's just here and, and ready for the ride. And he's really a good kid. And EJ, what's, uh, tell me from your experience, your, your, what's your relationship with like with Khalil? Out of the three kids that we have, uh, Khalil is my little mini me. 
Um, his, he's got the same temperament as I do. Like Danielle said, just kind of go with the flow type personality. He looks just like you. He, you know, he, he shaved his head about a year and a half ago. And that's, you know, aside from baby pictures, that's where it was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's my son. <laughs> wow. And so tell me, growing up, I mean, you guys have had, you spent 12 years-ish with your oldest being a girl. Tell me about that experience and what it was like as he started uh, transitioning and what, what was that experience like? Yeah. So really Khalil always, he never really quite fit into a stereotype of what a girl would be. He, he hated having bows in his hair. He hated wearing dresses. It just never quite fit. Um, especially when he was younger, as he got a little bit older, he got into, he enjoyed makeup and painting his nails. He never really wanted to wear like dresses, but he did like high heels, things like that. About, I think it was four years. I've talked about shaving my own head and just how I thought that that would be like the coolest experience. And I talked to him about it one day and he was like, I kind of want to do that. Like I'm tired of my hair. I'm tired of taking care of it. He hated brushing it. Like it's just such a pain. And so we shaved his head and I do hair. So I just did it for him at home and it was super fun and he loved it. During that time though, um, because it's, it's difficult to tell a 12 year old's gender if they're not in gender normal, like stereotypical clothes. He, he started to get kind of mistaken for a male. So we would go places and they would refer to Khalil as a boy. And the first couple of times I sort of laughed it off and I was like, oh, sorry, bud. Like it's, you know, it's just one of those things. I think the first time it happened, he was a little bit embarrassed by it. And then the second time it happened and the third, and, and I kind of watched as like something flashed over his eyes, like, like, oh, like that fits. Like this makes actually kind of a lot of sense. One day he just, I was at work and he was at home and he sent me a text and he was like, mom, I got to tell you something. And I was, and I said, okay. And I was expecting like, I broke one of your vases or something along those lines. And he's like, I actually think I'm a boy. And I, and I thought like, oh, art, really? <laughs> like I was a little bit shocked by it. I didn't really see it coming in hindsight. I'm like, you know, some things make sense, but for the most part, I was pretty shocked. As you would be, as you would be. Uh, EJ, were you shocked by this too? What was, what was your experience? Is this something you saw coming or, or what was your experience as you were going through that? Yeah, so this was not anything um, that we were prepared for at all. You know, Danielle and I have always been allies of the LGBTQ plus community. And we had always kind of had conversations, you know, we need to love our children regardless of their their sexual identity or, you know, whether they're gay or they identify as lesbian or any of those things. But transgender was not something that we had ever, it had never really crossed our minds that our child would identify as transgender. So like Danielle said, we were just, we were shocked. And really because of how quiet reserved Khalil is, we didn't even realize that he knew what that was or what that meant. That process when he, you know, came out to us, um, it was pretty seamless because of, of, of how good Danielle is at preparing us for these types of, you know, we have, we have quite a few discussions you know, with our kids about, you know, the LGBTQ community, um, different social injustices or social issues that are happening in our country. Um, and like I said, we'd always been allies. So that part wasn't difficult for us. It was more just the shock and awe factor of all of a sudden one random Tuesday, 
you get a you get a text from your child saying that they identify as a different gender. Then you start to you start to process. You start to learn um, what that actually means and what the differences um, between sexual identity and what gender identity are. The differences between all those things and 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 so we had to educate ourselves very quickly because there are a lot of scary statistics out there of what can happen to a, a youth, in, especially here in Utah, um, that identifies in the LGBTQ community without the proper guidance and love at home. Yeah. As you guys posted about this on social media, I had thought a lot about myself. And I consider myself an, an ally of the LGBTQ community. I had thought a lot, a lot about how I would respond if my son or daughter came out and told me that they were gay. I had, I had gone through those scenarios and how I would respond. And I was going to, I would just, you know, be the best, the best dad. I would, I would nail that out of the park. And when you posted that, it really hit me that I had never run the scenario. If my son or daughter came and told me that they were, they identified as the opposite gender. And it really hit me about how I may not react the way that I probably should in that situation. And it might, I just, I I needed to run those scenarios. And so hearing that, that from you allowed me to think through that a little bit and, and do that. I'm, I'm really curious though, Danielle, was there ever like, was the conversation of like, are you sure? And, and how did, how sure did you feel about this? And uh, you know, I think we know that gender can be a bit fluid. And so uh, how did those conversations go? Yeah. So, so like I said, he sent me the text and said, I think I'm a boy. And I just was like, okay, that sounds good. Let's talk. We'll talk to dad about it when we get home. I You're the best mom ever. (laughs) (laughs) The best mom ever. I I don't think I would have landed that plane that well. Anyway, keep going. And, and, and so I just, okay, that sounds good. Like, we'll talk to dad. And, and so when I got home, I actually think on the way, on the, on my drive home, I called EJ and I was like, Hey, you go, go into the back bedroom by yourself for a second. I need to tell you something. And I told him what Khalil has held, told me and EJ kind of responded in that same way of like, okay, that sounds good. And then, and then that was it. I never questioned him. I never asked, are you sure Khalil that, you know, are like, is this positive? Like are you positive? Because I just always kind of assumed, I know I'm a woman. I don't, I've never had to question that before. I just inherently knew that. And so if my child is feeling like that actually doesn't really identify with me, that doesn't fit, then who am I to tell them otherwise? And so I just went with it and, and we did like a really cool photo shoot of like EJ holding Khalil, like little baby. And I was like, look, we have a 89 pound <laughs> little boy that we just have or whatever. And, and it was, and we just kind of made it as like easy and seamless for him as we possibly could. And knowing along the way, like if this isn't what fits either, then that's okay. Then we'll adjust when the time comes. I thought the way you guys announced it was incredible uh, like that with ej holding him and just like yeah. it's a boy uh, i thought was a, a, just a really great way to celebrate him and him coming out and i thought you guys i mean just kudos to you and, and how that happened how was it received i think the the next step for us is we told our moms mine happened to be at a conference i texted them both and asked if they would come over that night 
after we put the kids to bed and my mom wasn't able to come. So we did a FaceTime with her and we just told our parents, I think that neither of our fathers are in our lives. Um, so it was just our moms. Um, I think both of them were quite shocked by it. My mom had a little bit of a harder time with it, but but at the end of the day, everybody in our family has been really supportive. Now, there's been times where I've had to do some educating, but for the most part, our family, at least, has been really, really great. And then we called our school, her uh, Khalil's school, and, and explained the situation, and they immediately jumped on it, and they made a safety plan with him. So they asked him which bathrooms he wanted to go into. He initially said boys, but then some of the parents complained, so he got his own separate bathroom. And they created just some steps like this is what you're going to do if this situation happens. And so his school was really, really, really good as well. So the very first couple of days of, of Khalil's coming out was amazing. It was a really good experience after <laughs> it sort of switched pretty quickly. So it, it was all pretty seamless with my family as well. A little history on my family. They are. I was going to say, give me a history of your family. Are your family like... Are they, are they conservative? Are they, are they, are they liberals like you and just you know, <laughs> love all uh, people or like, great. <laughs> no, I am the stereotypical black sheep of the family. <laughs> so I come from, from Roy, grew up here in Utah, I'm LDS from a very conservative family, good people, but just their way of life was very conservative. And so I thought that my family was going to struggle. To be completely honest, I thought that we were going to have some kickback. I thought there were going to be some negative situations, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, family parties, get togethers, things like that. Are we going to be now even more alienated from the family because of our not only because of our stances on politics and things, but now we have this this child who is identifying as as a different gender. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, My family accepted Khalil, I think, even more than they had previously. And not that, again, there was no big issues or anything. You know, my uncle reached out to me. We went to a brunch. We went to, we went to breakfast together and was very supportive. What can I do? What are some resources that I can look into? Like I said, they, my family has been very, very good about it. Now, obviously behind closed doors, we have no idea what what people are saying or talking, but to my face and to my son's face, they have been 100% on board and 100% supportive. And so I couldn't, I couldn't be more, more thankful for that. Did Khalil choose his name? He did. He was reading the book. The Hate You Give. Yeah, The Hate You Give. He had just finished it. And and so he chose the name Khalil Sakani because those were two characters from the book that he and he loved that book. And and so we were we had gone through like we were searching names for him. And I was like, what about Khalil? And he was like, oh, I, I love that. And so then it just stuck. So Khalil Sakani Nelson is his new name. That's awesome. So Things are going good. Tell me about the bad. Because things had gone so well. I had this uh, naive <laughs> sense that it was just going to continue to go that way. Like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, humanity has turned this corner and LGBT really is being accepted far more than I thought. So at the time, Khalil was dancing for a ballet studio in North Ogden. He had been dancing with this company for about four and a half years, had performed in the Nutcracker in their spring recital. Um, had been with this company for a long time and knew all of the teachers well, knew the owner well. And I knew that Khalil loved it there and I knew that they loved Khalil. And so I called one day and the classes uh, were co-ed. And so I had called one day and I said, 
the girl answered the phone and I kind of explained the situation. I just said, hey, I just need to know what clothes Khalil is supposed to wear. I don't know what the boys wear to dance class because there's a uniform. And she said, well, I don't know. I got it. You'll have to talk to the owner. And so she transferred me over to the owner and I explained the situation. She just said, oh, absolutely not. Yeah, no, absolutely not. For the past four and a half years, Khalil's been moving his body in a feminine, feminine way. There's absolutely no way now that he can move his body in a more masculine way. That is not what? going uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And I tried for the conversation was probably about 15 minutes. And I tried really hard to just say it doesn't have to be like this. Like, I know that you don't know how to teach him now to dance like a male. And, and I know you don't know how to have the conversation with the other ballet students. Let's figure this out together. Like, I, I don't there's a lot of things that I don't know about yet either. And I'm trying to figure this out. So let's do this together. And you really get to be on the forefront of of having a male ballet dancer like and a transgender ballet dancer. That's a really big deal because ballet is very traditional in male and female roles. And she just said, no. Like, that is not going to happen. I had a student last year that came out as transgender. Uh, she wanted to wear her clothes to ballet. I said, no, that if she wanted to dance here, that she was going to have to identify as a female or I can't remember which gender. So I think, like, what, if, and I might be quoting mistakenly, but it, it came down to as soon as Khalil walks through these doors, Khalil will be female and will revert back to his original mm -hmm. name. You do not tell me what to do in my business. I don't tell you how to run your life. So yeah. when Khalil walks out of the doors, he can be who he wants to be. But when he comes here, this is who she will be yeah. while, while, while he's here. And continue to misgender. Khalil continued to use the dead name. Um, Emery was, is his dead name and, and continued to use that and wouldn't, wouldn't budge and kind of talked about how that's how she handled her previous student. She wasn't going to do it. And then so this and was the second time this had yeah, happened. This is and, the and so she was like, I've got precedent here. Uh, yeah. This is how we handle it. Effectively. Oh yeah. Well, no. Uh, Khalil is welcome here. Just yeah. not him. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. At the end of the conversation, uh, the ballet owner just, she said, at the end of the day, I have to protect the other students in the class. And at that point, I just like, I just lost it. I called her some awful names and I hung up the phone and I had a panic attack. I was driving home from work. So the awful names and the, that's exactly how a, a mother who protects her son should respond. Uh, yeah. So that that is probably <laughs> exactly, you know. It hurt my feminist heart, the things that I said. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think a certain term is coming to my mind here. <laughs> yeah, you're you're dead on there. But it was just one of those moments, just a complete out of body experience where I I I really had no control in that moment. I was so just taken aback by her response. I was so taken aback by how disgusted her tone was with my child as she was continuously telling me, "Well, I love." I love Khalil. I love Khalil. Well, you don't. <laughs> and then you're going to say that you have to protect the other children from my child. That's not love. And, and my child would never hurt anybody ever. And so. As I if you're the very presence of Khalil is a harm to the other kids. I cannot think of anything more offensive. I cannot think of anything more offensive. It was awful. And I, I was driving home. I had to pull over because I was having a full on panic attack at that point. I sent a Marco Polo to my friend whose uh, children also danced there. And I just was like, I don't like, I just explained what had just happened in that conversation. 
And then I called DJ and I was like, you're going to have to come and pick me up. I can't, I can't drive home. And I like, I just was not okay. I mean, it took a, it took a little bit to like calm back down and, and like breathe again through that. EJ, what was, I mean, as you're talking to Danielle about this, what was, what was your response and how were you going to break this to Khalil? I mean, initially it was anger, right? Like you talked about, you know, a protective mom wants to to take care of her cubs and, and all of that. The same thing goes for me, right? I wanted to protect my, my kid. I wanted to take the hurt away from Danielle, who had to have that uncomfortable conversation. And it was just a helpless hopeless feeling in those in those moments and that and and even for a few days afterwards Mm -hmm. there were a lot of hard conversations that that Danielle and I had to have about how we wanted to handle the next steps because after after the conversation Danielle posted uh I posted the mark the initial Marco Polo that I sent my friend on Facebook we had we were were, wait wait, describe that describe that a little bit that that initial Marco Polo so you you just you you were having this breakdown, having this emotional moment, and you sent this Marco Polo to your friend. Describe that for us and the emotions around that. I couldn't even talk in that moment. I didn't even, I had had, I had sent her a text a couple days previous to explain what was going on with Khalil. She was obviously more than on board with everything. And so then as I'm trying to talk to her, like, I just remember thinking like, I don't even know how to formulate a sentence. Like, I don't know how to tell you what has just happened. There's not a word for the heartbreak that I felt in that moment because it just was, it just was so, I, yeah, there's just no word to describe it. Like, and, and, and so hopeless and helpless, like EJ said, and I knew how much this was going to affect my son. And I think that that like trying to figure out how to have the conversation and that kind of stuff. And so I, I was so emotional in, in the video that I sent her and you can watch it. Like my hands are shaking. I can't talk. And I'm trying so hard to explain to her. And I wanted, I decided ultimately to post that Marco because I thought there is power behind a person's words. And this is like the hurt that she caused. I want other people to see that because when you think you're having just a conversation with someone and you're saying these things, you don't always think about exactly the impact of your words on that person. And so I wanted other people to see the scary trans narrative that people have that is not true. Like, and, and there are people behind that, that feel like the pain of, of those words that you're saying. Absolutely. So you, I mean, you post this emotional video, through tears and pain, what was the what was the reaction to that? And and and, and before we go there, I actually want to know Khalil. At this, did was he wasn't with you when you had this conversation with the ballet teacher, right? And he still doesn't. Yeah. Did he know at this point after you guys had posted? No, thank God. So he was not there during the conversation, and and by the time I had posted the video, he did not know anything about being kicked out what we ended up telling him was that we wanted to to find a different studio that that focused less on gender and so we were looking at like hip-hop dance and and things like that that don't necessarily matter as much and he was he was pretty okay with that like he felt in that moment he felt okay Uh, on Facebook we had 
the majority, I was 99% was really positive feedback. Like everybody just, I think every mom that has a child was really able, like was really, even if they were conservative, reached out with, I felt your heartbreak for your child in that moment. I'm so sorry that that had to happen to you. From that, we got a lot of, of news reporters that wanted to do a story And then we also ended up having Ballet West reach out and they gave Kalil a full scholarship to dance in Salt Lake with them. And that beautiful. I mean, that was an incredible experience. I can't even articulate that. That experience was incredible. Wow. Yeah. Mostly, mostly you're getting good feedback here. One of the parts I remember about this was kind of a concerted effort to go after the studio a little bit and you uh, posted out there, hey, if you want to write a review, please do. I remember this because I was like, oh, hell yeah, (laughs) I am all over this. Yeah. And yeah. so I got on there very quickly and, and wrote and, and wrote a review. And it was it, for that night. I, I part of my joy was uh, watching her uh, five star rating go to about one star as about 50 people or so posted <laughs> in yeah. a short amount of time. How do you feel a, a, about that and the decision to do that? And, and what was your experience in that moment? I'm, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. In that moment, that was absolutely the right decision to make. And still, even now, I think that that was the right decision to make as far as I think one of my friends initially had said, I'm going to go on and and write a negative review. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. When I was looking for different studios for Khalil, I had to call every single studio and ask them, my son is transgender. Is this going to be a problem? Because the last thing I was going to do is put him back into a situation where this was going to happen again. As a mom now of an LGBT child, I would want to know. And so I think having those Google reviews on there and those Facebook reviews on there are a good thing to have happen. I think that that was I think I'm hopeful that that was somewhat of a learning experience for Julie. That being said, Julie, the ballet owner, that being said, I also have a heartburn about it because I work for Ogden School District currently. And I work with a lot of students who come from um, a lot of hardship. And I know what do you do do for Ogden School District? I'm a I'm the district social work specialist. So I work with all of our kiddos that just really struggle. So they're at they're at risk for gang involvement, drugs, teen pregnancies, things like that. And I work with our youth court, which really focuses on restorative justice practices. And I work with our, our case process, which works with alternative placements for a little bit for students who need to build some skills and get access to mental health therapy. And so I'm, I'm really working with our most at-risk students. And, and from that, I know how important it is to have a sense of connectedness. And I know how important it is to have something and a community that you belong to. Part of the the reason that we didn't end up doing a new story was because I did not want ultimately for this ballet studio to suffer. It brings a lot of joy and happiness to other children. And I would never, ever want to take that away because that puts me in the same situation as the owner of this studio because she took that joy away from my student for a lack of understanding. And I would never want to do that to another child. And 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 so 
we didn't end up doing the news, the news report with this woman. And I still go back and forth because I, because that anger comes out where I'm like, no, I should have done that. And I should have closed her down. And I, and I should have like really put her on blast. And then the other part that can be more rational is like, <laughs> no, that was the, I think that that was a good decision, but it's hard. I think, I think another reason that we decided not to was, well, two reasons. Number one, we did not want to put Khalil in a position where he had to answer questions that he was still barely finding out for himself. Right. uh, A voice of a movement that was, that was too big for him in that moment. The second part was our own education was lacking. Like we kind of touched on earlier. It was not a, a scenario that Danielle or I had ever really crossed in our minds as saying, we need to prepare for this. And so then to be asked some questions on a news outlet in front of, you know, thousands of people, are we going to be more detrimental to the LGBTQ community? Is this going to, is there going to be a lot more backlash? Because you know how keyboard warriors can be. What's going to happen at school? There were so many unknown factors that at the end of the day, our son was out of a toxic situation. And obviously this, we didn't know where he was going from where he was going to end up at Ballet West. We didn't know any of those things at that point, but we did know that if that was the behavior of Julie that was being indoctrinated at some level for four and a half years into Khalil um, that we had unbeknownst to us, right? Um, And so we viewed it as a toxic relationship that was now no longer in his life and we can move forward finding the the correct and proper places for him to to express himself. Yeah, I I think you guys were really smart to take a deep breath there and just be like, as much as I wanna show the world that I'm gonna fight for my son, um, because I know Danielle and I know she was like, give me that reporter. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell, tell the world to take a deep breath uh, for Khalil was probably uh, the, the definitely the right thing to do in, in that moment. Uh, a few months ago, when one of my friends put up a Black Lives Matter uh, billboard, she paid with, for, with her own money, put up a Black Lives Matter billboard, and it got taken down. And I saw it got taken down and I was like, oh, hell no, they can't get away with that. You know, and, and I, I called the company. I just I just looked at the company. I called the company. I didn't know at the time, but I knew uh, it's, it was Rob and Ryan Saunders. And I had coached them at West Haven CrossFit back in the day. And so I know the owners of this company. And I called the company and I was like, and I was the first person to make a call. And I was like, hey, I'm just a guy. I want to know why the billboards got taken down. And they were like, oh, you're the first person to call. And, and I pulled over to the side of the road and I Posted on social media, I'm like, call this company now. And they got blown up. Like they got thousands of messages in the next like two hours. Like, you know, and I got a lot of, I got a lot of feedback from that. Like people, I got family members, I got friends. Oh, the Saunders are great people. I'm like, I don't care. Great people make bad choices. This is a bad choice. And you know what? If, if they would have been like, you know what? I, you guys are right. You made the wrong choice. Uh, we, we made a, we made a poor decision. Uh, we're going to put the billboards back up. I would have sung their praises, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and, but not in that moment, you know, uh, I, even though they're like, you're ruining this family business. I was like, I don't care. You know, frankly, yeah. I don't care uh, because they're on the wrong side here. And if they decide to be on the right side I, and, and make changes, because we all need space. We've all made mistakes. We all need space to make change. So I guess that was my long way of saying throwing that ballet studio under the bus, I think was the right thing to do. Yeah. 
I do like the way you look at it through the lens of the kids. Um, and, and that you, you know, you really think about the kids and the, those, those classmates and the people. And I, I see that point of it too, but I also think, you know, there are other ballet studios and ones that are going to be accepting of the LGBTQ community. And we're in, the, the, she's in the arts. I mean, there are going to be, there was another kid like Khalil there, 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 there will be more. And so, yeah, I, I, I supported you then and I still support you now in your decision to uh, throw them under the bus a bit. So this was about a year ago, exactly almost. And since that time, I think Khalil now knows what happened. He knows the full extent of things and has uh, really taken some time to process that. And has and he, about a month and a half ago, asked me if I would help him write a letter to Julie Moffat. So I did. I And he wrote the majority. Actually, he wrote all of it. I just fixed grammatical errors for him and sent it on his way. And he never heard back from Julie. And for about, a, about the first probably yeah. four weeks, he checked the mail every single day looking no for... No way. Yeah, say yeah. her name. Julie yeah. Moffat. Julie Julie <laughs> that is not okay. And I, I feel 100% comfortable saying the name of the studio. I mean, I, this is not my story. but <laughs> <laughs> No, and that was really heartbreaking again to watch because I think he was oh. really looking for, because Khalil just said in the letter, like, I really loved coming and you told me you loved me so many times. And I felt that and I'm really sad. And I just hope that like through this experience, you have learned and grown like we all do as humans. And and I just, I thought maybe she would write back with a, Khalil, I hope you're doing well. I, I miss you at my studio and I hope everything is going well and you're happy and healthy and safe and nothing. It's been six weeks or more and, and we haven't gotten anything from her. And that has been, that sucked actually quite a bit. And I felt really poorly for my child in that moment. That is heartbreaking. Tell me what Khalil's experience has been like with his classmates. And his friends. So I get the I get the pleasure of working at the school that Khalil is now going to. Oh wow! I get to see him every day. It's 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 hard for me to talk about because uh, because he's flourishing. He's doing so well, and getting to watch him, you know, walk down the hallways every day, and the the kids have accepted him, haven't questioned him. Um, and whether they know or not, he's just Khalil. And that is all we, we wanted from day one was for him to just be. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. Uh, no, please. Yeah, share. We just wanted him to be him and be happy and, and quirky and beautiful and loving and all of the things that, <clears throat> that you want for your child. To see him join a, a, a cross-country team. And compete as a boy. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Was big. it was beautiful? Yeah, it was That's beautiful. Awesome to watch him join a band now playing the flute. He is. I, I get to coach the the boys basketball team this year, and he's he's the the team manager of the team. Like he is just. <laughs> he's currently uh, working on his second play, the Zegfeld Theater, Zegfeld Theater, and so that's amazing as well. What's the play? So right now it's Frozen. He's he's auditioning. He just got second callbacks for Hans and what's the other guy's name? The other male part of Frozen. I, don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I should not. 
Yeah, Chris, Chris Bob. Bob, you know. Yes, I got my Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's, uh, we'll know that next week. He was Roger in 101 Dalmatians a couple months ago, and that was super really? fun. And that, oh. that, that theater is so great with Khalil. Like, they're so much fun, and they are so loving and supportive. That was a stroke of genius on my part to think of <laughs> enrolling him in that. Like, that's been such a godsend. So good job, Danielle. They, I love community theater. Uh, you know, no, I've yeah. been to a few shows at the Zig Field and it's really great. Are some of these uh, friends that Khalil has now, were they with him through the transition? No, these are all new friends. So we moved from Roy to Ogden over the summer. And so he's, these are brand new friends. He's got a couple from Roy still that he hangs out with and, and all of his friends aren't like, they just didn't skip a beat. Like nobody cared. And kids, kids are amazing. Are, yeah. Ugh. Amazing. Like nobody has been cruel to him, like kids wise. No, like they've just, everybody's just been so great. Kids are really amazing. Uh, We have a lot to learn from them. I loved hearing about how he is flourishing and how you guys have seen him take off in in the last year. I I love that. One of the things I want to do is I want to give you guys an opportunity to give us the give us a little bit of education, a little bit of trans education, because I know I have a I have a transgender uncle who passed away uh, this last year. Uh, sorry, I have a transgender aunt, <laughs> and a lot of I noticed when you talk about Khalil in in the past, it's still Khalil and it's still him. As I think about Aunt Denise, I have so many memories of her as Dawn. And so tell me, how do I, how, how should I be referring to Denise in past tense? And how, and what, what should I be, how should I be thinking about that and and speaking about it? It's really tricky. When I look back at baby pictures, I, I do have a hard time not saying Emery and using she pronouns because it does, they almost feel like two separate beings. Like this is Khalil. And then that was Emery. And I have a, I, I, we, we mess up quite frequently is when we're doing past tense. It took probably, I don't know how many, like a couple weeks. Oh, maybe months. To like maybe fully, months, yeah. to never, <laughs> to get those male pronouns and to not refer. Like that, it took some time. I mean, I think. You referred to that to uh, Khalil's past name as the dead name. I noticed. Yeah. I, Which tell me about that. Term. I actually learned through um, Mama Dragon. So immediately I joined a Mama Dragon's page on Facebook and then they have a group, a, a break off group that's specific to trans mamas. And so um, that is how they refer to the, the terminology that I was taught through that group. So I'd never heard of dead name before. Um, I've never really heard of like misgendered. I hadn't ever heard, you know, that context before either. So those are all new things that I've learned and I'm continuously learning. I mean, I, there's so many things like binders that I didn't know about as far as like, and you have to get binders that are very like, that have reviews and that are scientifically backed up because they can, I don't know, mess with internal organs. And there's just so many things that I didn't realize that went into it. And then (laughs) we, so we're, we have, I have full insurance through my school district, but my school district has opted out of trans care. 
And so we, not knowing that, made an appointment with the U to talk about puberty blockers. And the 20-minute Zoom call that we had with that doctor cost $500. So then from there, then to get a puberty blocker that would last about two years for Khalil is $5,600. And all of that has to be paid out of pocket. So that for me had been, was probably the most just eye-opening and, and listening to the Mama Dragons on Facebook, like, gosh, healthcare just really does not encompass trans care at all, like at all. And the cost of this stuff is just outrageous. Wow. So it, the school district, like there are, the, the insurance plan that you're on can cover trans care. The school district just opted out of that. Yep. The specific what? plan they chose opted that. It just didn't include it. So that was oh, the, the plan. The plan they chose didn't include it. Yeah. So is uh, that is that right? Or <clears throat> yeah. So the the school district each year, and and I, I mean places uh, places of employment every year get to pick what plans they they offer their employees, and there was an option between a, a plan that had trans care and a plan that did not have trans care included in 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 the plan and they opted out of trans care um so that makes sense so much to fight for uh you know uh trans care like you guys that's uh uh something i had (laughs) not thought about and yes either (laughs) i mean i knew that it was that there were things that were going to come up that were going to be expensive i wasn't expecting that necessarily I, I, yeah, so that, yeah, so that was interesting. Um, I kind of went off on a tangent though and realized I didn't answer your original question about, I think a lot of it just comes down to the individual and I'm, and I'm really learning that everybody prefers something a little bit different and that's okay. And, and so, I mean, your uncle has, I'm sorry, your aunt, Mm -hmm, aunt. Yep, your aunt has passed. And so obviously that's a little bit tricky, but I think just honoring the fact that you're trying is really what's the most important. And I, and I don't ever get mad. Khalil never gets mad if, if he's accidentally uh, dead named or misgendered, as long as the person is actively trying to make an effort. It's when it's when it's that blatant, like, no, I'm not doing that. That then becomes really tricky. And I just think at the end of the day, it doesn't impact anybody else's life. How we are choosing to raise our son or how my son is choosing to identify. And so just being kind and, and, and really just making an effort is I think what's key. Is there anything else you would like our listeners to know about um, raising a transgender, transgender son or the transgender community uh, as a whole, or that we could, that we could become more educated about? For me, I, I, this has really been a learning experience in how to be an advocate and an ally. And I have always considered myself to be just that. And I, and I can debate somebody until I'm blue in the face and I will, and I will fight for somebody's rights and until the end of my day. But what I never have been in the situation of is actually having to advocate for like my loved one. And, and obviously EJ is African-American and we haven't had a whole lot of negative experiences. There's been a little bit here and there, but I've, we've never had to, I've never had to overly advocate for him. Like I have had to do for Khalil being transgender and what that, that has 
having that constant advocating for my son is mentally and emotionally taxing. And every time that I have that I that I tell somebody about my son being transgender, though, I think that it's usually with the best of intentions, it's listen to this podcast or read this survey or read this study about trans kids and or did you do this? Or did you do that? And it's like, I have done those things. Thank you for letting me know. I'm not, I'm not looking for your education on what you think I should do. And um, that is where I really heavily rely on other advocates and allies. Like, please do this work for me. Because when it's my son, I cannot do it. It's too emotional for me. And I, and I get to points where I just, I'm like, so frustrated, I, and I just can't do it. And so And I think that that has taught me really to be a better ally for even the Black Lives Matter movement is that the African-American people cannot sit there and constantly advocate for themselves. That has got to be on on the white allies because it is just too emotionally and mentally taxing. And so I, for any listener out there, my biggest thing is just continue fighting the good fight and and help us when we need it. That's really well put. I actually, uh, I think I remember Khalil... Uh, a social media post about Khalil speaking at a Black Lives Matter rally. He did. Um, the Northern Utah chapter has a wonderful group of young people who wanted to have a youth-led rally. And so this is kind of where I was, you know, referring to my family being so awesome and great. My mom's side of the family are all white, all Caucasian, and have me and my brothers, brother and sisters are the only black kids in our family. And so it's just not a, it just kind of is what it is. And so when Khalil got up to speak or was asked to speak, we invited a bunch of our, my family to this rally where they would never in a million years, but we talked about, you know, the human element and the emotion behind these movements. And until it it matters to somebody you love, people tend not to be fully committed to that, to that cause. We are all victims of this, right? I was not a full on trans ally because it didn't fully touch my life. Right. And so I think that when, when we're able to allow for that human error sometimes and, and open up our minds and our hearts I think that's when we'll see the real change in this world, right? And and just understanding that just because it doesn't affect us personally in this moment doesn't mean it's not affecting our next door neighbor who we see and say hello to at, at the trash can or whatever. They're, they're fighting some fight that we may not know about, but it is our responsibility as human beings, as Americans, to be advocates and allies for any possible situation where an injustice might be happening. And, and that would be my call to, to all of the listeners is just because you don't know about it doesn't mean it's not happening. Being woke, as the kids are saying, you know, these days, education is key. Educate yourself on, on, on issues. This is one that doesn't touch a lot of lives, but that's kind of, you know, we appreciate the opportunity that you've allowed us this platform to kind of speak on it a little bit. But I really think that education is first. Just, you know, there's a there's a group called Gleason, which G-L-S-E-N, I believe. Um, and they are an, an, an agency here in Utah that will reach out to school districts and schools to get LGBTQ material into the schools. They're working to break into every school district here in Utah to start. 
they have a ton of information that I think we're missing in, in our, our public education system because we're not being taught. It's swept under the rug. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Danielle and EJ, I really appreciate you. Danielle, you talked about how you feel like you can't advocate uh, because it's hard and it's emotional. I can feel that uh, when you say that, but here you are. And these conversations uh, I hope will make a difference. And that's what it's all about. EJ talked about the human element, you know, allowing people to hear these stories and uh, make them think and step outside of your own learned experience and say, you guys did that for me by posting your your story on, on social media. You did that for me, made me think, you know, this could happen to my son and how would I want, or, or daughter, and how would I respond and how would I want people to respond? So you guys have are doing the work and, and I know it's hard and it's tiring and you just want to sometimes just uh, be your, be your family, but uh, I appreciate you coming on and and doing that for us here today. Yeah. Thanks Kevin. Thank Thank you for giving us that space. I really appreciate it. And that's it for the show today. Special thanks to EJ and Danielle for coming on today and being vulnerable and sharing their story. That is what community spread is all about sharing those personal experiences that we can learn from that help us get outside of our own learned experience and be able to learn from yours. It allows us to have empathy and to grow and to be kind and loving more and more towards one another. So I really thank EJ and Danielle for that. Also, I wanna give a shout out to August the Great for our theme music and Decker Yazi for our artwork. Those guys do awesome work and If you haven't yet, make sure you smash that subscribe button, give us a rating on iTunes, and tell a friend about the pod. Thanks, everybody. Have a nice week. We don't get the graduate. We got trade up to the league with no second plan. Hoping we got it made into a gig. We need more doctors and lawyers, politicians, and that. If you feel this in your heart, then I'm probably kicking the fat to shade. And it's hard to empower and shout here. Everybody's dead broke and empowering shout sweat. I leave the everyday life based on mad wishes. The only jobs they have was provided by bad bitches. They'd rather get some brain and law that broad knowledge. Can't pay back selling me, and we can't afford college. Around here, the stick is always high, so they bands. Crummy, fuck the law. They'd rather leave and die for their gangs. They got nothing to lose, but they sick with hate. Mad of the world, we got a bone to peak with fate. It's a white privilege. For the kids to the slave master, we were left for dead design to hit the great master. It's a setup, and we ain't meant to survive. Look how far we don't came, we made it to this land of surprise. Though the prophecy says we all been to a bride, spread the word, let it be known the heaven set to survive. Right here, live in the flesh. That's real. Americans ever gotta get up. Volume one. Yeah. <laughs>